What does it mean to be patriotic? And what does patriotism look like in this time in which we live? Those were a couple of the questions that June Minical brought to me in preparation for this sermon. Certainly a matter of debate, isn't it? What is patriotic and, more clearly, what is decidedly not patriotic? President Trump is pretty clear that for him, the NFL players who, to bring attention to police violence against people of color, have taken a knee rather than standing during the national anthem played prior to football games. For President Trump, these players are decidedly, even dangerously, unpatriotic. They should be fined, shouldn't be allowed to play, Maybe, he said, shouldn't even be allowed to remain in the country. Reminds me of a phrase that was popular during my youth, America, love it or leave it. America, love it or leave it. A phrase which, in my humble estimation, has some problems. Firstly, technically speaking, there is the now most likely insoluble problem of America as a country when we share the continent with North Americans who live in other countries and share the hemisphere with neighboring continent South America, and yet only we are Americans in the United States of America, even though it is more accurately the United States of a portion of North America for which we use the rather presumptuous shorthand America. Okay, I'm not saying we work on changing our name right now. As heaven knows, there are plenty of other things to be working on. But I think it is at least worth raising to our awareness, providing a context for thinking about patriotism, perhaps especially right now as we witness the plight of so many Americans at the border of this country we call America as we witness government officials justify with words from the Christian scriptures, no less the unjust and inhumane treatment of these vulnerable and hurting Americans simply because they were born outside the imaginary lines we have drawn around this country we call America and upon which we invite special divine favor in public proclamations, ending speeches with the ever-popular, crowd-pleasing, vote-getting, God bless America. But let's put that aside for right now. More importantly, this phrase, America, love it or leave it, encourages us, one might say commands us, to love this country or else. Now, it makes sense in a way because a common quick definition of patriotism is love of country. However, it doesn't say anything about how one can determine if that love exists. How does one show love for a country? Can I, in any clear, definable, meaningful way, love the United States of a portion of North America? I would suggest not. I can't really love a country because a country is simply an idea. 
Its boundaries are imaginary lines. Its name is just a name. When I say I love my country, I am most likely saying some one or combination of the following. That I value my experiences in this country I call and feel to be my home. That I cherish the beauty of the natural world as it expresses itself within the imaginary lines that have been drawn to define this country or I cherish the beauty of the natural world in those portions of the country that I have experienced, which is quite likely not comprehensive. That I find joy in the cultures and communities and creations of the people who live within these borders. Again, those that I have experienced in some way. And maybe most importantly, that I champion the values of justice and equity and human rights espoused in this country's founding documents and throughout its history when I see them expressed through the people who live in this country and when I see a commitment to those values being lived out both in my personal sphere and on a community and national level. This is my home, the country where my heart is. Here are my hopes, my dreams, my holy shrine. And if I feel that this country, as represented by the leaders of the country and those who wield the most power, if I feel that they are acting in ways that do not honor those values that are espoused, justice, equity, human rights, if I feel rather that a system has been created that stands in direct contradiction to those values, how should love of country be expressed? Where does my loyalty lie? With the country, with the flag, or with the values that they are meant to represent? And if I challenge the country to live up to those values which are espoused as foundational, if I point to the great gap between the articulation and the realization of those values by, for instance, taking a knee during the singing of the national anthem, what will be the response? What should be the response? Isn't there a case to be made that challenging the country to live up to its own ideals is showing the greatest respect for the country? Isn't that premised upon the belief that this country has the potential to live up to those values espoused? Shouldn't we, who were previously unaware, be grateful for the chance to be made aware of the ongoing disparities between white people and people of color, the unequal treatment under the law, the absence of an expectation of safety, indeed quite the opposite in encounters with the police? Shouldn't white people be thankful for the opportunity to wake up to the ways in which we have lived in denial and supported a culture of white supremacy which keeps us comfortable. Well, that all seems right. But the response is often something other than that. And let me say, lest I start sounding all high and mighty, I understand that less laudable response. It cannot be justified. It cannot be excused. But I think it can be understood. The other day, 
I was driving in what might be called a distracted frame of mind. I know you're all shocked by that. What? You, Rod, distracted? No. I was wrapped up in some personal issues, mulling them over in my mind, whatever. I was stopped at a red light at an intersection. I was in the right lane, and there was a car next to me in the left lane. When the light turned green, we both drove straight through the intersection onto a one-lane road. The other car honked its horn loud and long. Let me be clear. I was in the wrong. The lane I was in was a right-turn-only lane, and yet, in my distraction, I drove straight through. So how did I respond to being woke in this matter? Well, there is the story I would like to tell. (laughs) And there is the one that really happened. What really happened in that moment was that I honked back and flung my hands in the air in a frustrated manner, even though I realized that I was wrong. I somehow wanted to make the other driver responsible. Why did I do that? Because first I was frightened, startled out of my distracted, unaware state, Second, I was embarrassed. I knew I was wrong, yet reluctant to take responsibility in that moment. It would have been so much easier to take if it was actually the other guy's fault. Was I sure that was a right turn only? Wasn't it his lane that was left turn only? A lot of nerve to be honking at me. And third, I knew the chilling seriousness of what had just happened damage I could have caused. I was frightened not only by what I had done, but by the potential harm that could have happened. Ideally, that would have led me to be most grateful to the hunker. And it did in something less than a minute. But in the moment, I lashed out as if I had been the one who was hurt. And at that point, with no way to make amends to the driver, I was left with the question of what I could do to best, most maturely and compassionately respond to what had just happened. And this is all I could come up with. Stay woke. You've been awakened. Don't let that happen again. Stay woke. Driving is a way too serious and potentially dangerous activity for me not to bring my full attention to it. I must be aware of my surroundings. I must take care not only of myself but those around me so that my actions do not cause them problems, put them in danger, or cause them to suffer. But that initial response of mine didn't want to recognize any of that. It wanted to strike back. It resented the disruption of my dangerously oblivious state. It blamed the person honking the horn, the person most responsible for making sure this incident did not result in harm. I was mad about my rude awakening. Dissenters and resistors throughout the ages have been blamed for the very problems they are pointing out to the rest of us. 
They have been blamed for being unpatriotic, for not sufficiently loving their country, for causing dissension and disruption and division. We do not welcome their wake-up calls. Even though many of these dissenters are now the very people we raise up to explain our love of country. Thomas Paine Frederick Douglass, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, Joe Hill, Jane Addams, Cesar Chavez, Martin Luther King Jr. You can fill in names. We blame the people who bring our failures to light and we paint them with the wide brush of being somehow anti-American, of disrespecting the flag, of undermining American values, even though they are the ones seeking to uphold them in reality rather than in concept. Would that that inclination lasted only as long as my completely immature response to the fully justified horn honking of a fellow driver. We should be grateful for the opportunity to wake up, to snap out of the dangerous slumber of obliviousness, an obliviousness that is only available to the privileged within this society. Because living is a way too serious and potentially dangerous activity for me not to bring my full attention to it. I must be aware of my surroundings. I must take care not only of myself but those around me so that my actions do not cause them problems, put them in danger, or cause them to suffer. Our response to being woke, however it happens, should be thank you. It is not easy to find that gratitude, but it will inspire us to do the necessary work. And when I begin to feel like it is just much too much, I am inspired and challenged and moved by the deep, intentional, reflective, and powerful work of members of this congregation. Let me share a brief excerpt from what a member of our congregation, Gina Whitaker, shared at the rally and march downtown yesterday. I stand before you, she said, an old white lady marked by privilege, but I have been making new choices during these dark, troubling times. I ask myself every time I speak out, act, or write anything, is what I have done or said or written something that upholds the status quo, or did I do my best to dismantle it? I ask myself, what am I willing to give up to live in a world of true justice, equity, and love? I ask myself when it is best to show up and speak my truth, and when it is best to stay silent, when to lean in, and when to step back. And this from congregation member and San Luis Obispo City Council member Andy Pease from the article mentioned as a joy today. The horror of racism, she wrote, is not limited to out there somewhere. Racist systems and institutions are local too. We don't get the luxury of starting from scratch and calling it an even playing field starting now. 
We need to understand our own history, including land theft and displacement against the Chumash and other indigenous people, racist policies against African Americans in local housing, discriminatory labor practices against immigrants, and more. I learned that white people often have little endurance for discussion about race because it isn't part of our daily awareness. We may respond by retreating or moving toward denial or becoming lost in white guilt. I try to be patient with myself and keep moving forward. And she concludes by saying we need to make this effort together to become more inclusive, to create an environment where all people feel safe and welcome. For our community to thrive socially, economically, and spiritually, we must do this work. To paraphrase the insightful comment of Cal Poly student Leilani Hemings-Palais in taking on this critical work, we will restore our own humanity by no longer denying the humanity of others. Is it any wonder I am proud and pleased to be minister of this congregation? This is coming from you. You inspire, challenge, and call me to action just as often, if not more often, than I call you to the same. That is the blessing of community. If you can believe in something bigger than yourself, sings Mark, courtesy of Randy Newman. If you can believe in something bigger than yourself, I can. And I understand that desire of patriots to stand together with others in doing so. I understand the pull for unity, the yearning to belong, wanting to feel like we are members of one body, one community, one nation, one people. But if I have to belong to some tribe, make it a large tribe. Make it a strong tribe, one in which nobody is left out, in which everybody for once and for all has a God-given place.